0: Hello and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. This is Beth Chase, your host for today's broadcast. Well, back in the studio today is Dr. Rutherford, who is the president of 3W and but also the medical director. Now, I just want to mention that 3W is an accredited medical clinic with the National Accreditation Association for Ambulatory Healthcare Organization. And 3W provides free reproductive health screening and consult services for women in the Seattle area. But it's so good to have Dr. Rutherford here because yesterday, Tuesday the 28th, was Hepatitis Day. And Dr. Sue is here to talk to us about Hepatitis A, and other hepatitis
1: discussions. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so welcome back, Sue, and let's talk about well, hepatitis. Thank you. thank you. It's fun to be back. So it's interesting to listen you say this, is hepatitis week. It sounds like it's something to celebrate, <laughs> which actually isn't the case. Uh-huh. Uh, but the hepatitis day is Tuesday, July 28th, and that was chosen because it's the birthday of Dr. Baruch Blumberg. He actually died in 2011, but he discovered the hepatitis B virus in 1967. Two years later, he developed the first hepatitis B vaccine, and those achievements resulted in him winning the Nobel Prize. So wait a minute, Dr. Rutherford, are you saying
0: that relatively this is a new disease that is either, I mean, it's not a new disease, it's doesn't just- Doesn't sound very old, does no, it? No, it doesn't. Is it, was it just recognized in yes, 1997? Yes, it was
1: discovered. Now, what I okay. don't know is when hepatitis A was discovered, why did they start with B? Uh, but, you know, except hepatitis A, probably more is known about it sooner. Okay. But, well, how, that's how, my guess.
0: How many yeah. hepatitis um,
1: uh, letters are there? So there are five, five. A, B, okay. C, D, and E. And that has increased since when I was in medical school. And in fact, it wasn't, I didn't realize there was an E until I started researching for this. Uh (laughs) podcast, (laughs) like oh my goodness. I also had to go back and pull out my immunization files this morning because I thought, did I get the hepatitis A vaccine and sure enough I did because it wasn't, hepatitis A vaccine was developed in 1996, Mm. so that's very recent and of course B was developed, Uh was developed sooner. Uh In fact, there's A and B have historically been the most common. And speaking of common, one of the reasons that there's a lot of attention being paid to hepatitis is because while the incidence of tuberculosis and HIV have been decreasing internationally, the incidence of hepatitis has been increasing. And even in the United States... There's been a huge upswing, like a hundred and forty percent gain uh-huh. since uh, two thousand seventeen. Why? I don't know. I've been reading all all about this from the CDC, uh-huh. but it's still not it's still not clear to me. Well, but, it could be just because it's a relatively new. I mean, I consider nineteen
0: ninety seven fairly recent. New, recent, yes, yes. And so, is it just that there's more? finding of it through testing because now they recognize it and the symptoms more no
1: i think it's actually increasing so probably the way to start is to talk about what are these different hepatitises first of all hepatitis refers to an infection of the liver so people that special specialize in liver diseases are hepatologists not herpetologists those are people that specialize in things like lizards, okay? <laughs> lizards right. and snakes. Do not confuse the two. Do not confuse the two, that's <laughs> right. Okay. But hepatitis. And hepatitis A is one that's, con- that's contracted usually through food. It's called the fecal-oral mm. root. So in some places, they use actually human feces to fertilize vegetables and things like that. So that's one reason, particularly in other countries, you want to make really sure you wash your lettuce, because uh-huh. you don't know what's gone in there. Hepatitis mm-hmm. E, by the way, can be communicated from animal feces. So I'm sure that, and you have no control over what that is in the field. Uh-huh. You know, so sure. so those are ones that you know you mainly get through food, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in places where the food and possibly the water systems are not as clean. That's where you need to be really careful about having sterile water, either boiled or or treated with chlorine or uh, and making sure your food is washed or cooked thoroughly, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hepatitis B and C are primarily contracted through blood or body fluids. So, for example, needle sharing. You so saw in the drug culture, that's where those are very common but they also can be communicated through sexual contact because of the exchange of body fluids. So, D is kind of interesting. You don't get D unless you already have hepatitis B. You can get both of them at the same time, but you can't get just D by itself. So it goes along with B. Hmm. So the best way to prevent D is to get immunized for B. Mm -hmm. The only two viruses for which there are immunizations are A and B. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to travel, definitely get your hepatitis vaccines before you go. That's the best way to protect yourself.
0: That makes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what's the difference, though, between
1: the B and the D? So hepatitis D is considered sort of an add-on to hepatitis B, and it can be acute and short-term, but it also can be long-term as well as B. They call getting D a super infection over B. Oh, so don't want that super infection. You know, you know, so how- actually, the consequences are the same: either B, oh. B, or B okay. plus D consequences can be the same.
0: So can you assume if you have B? Maybe you don't know you have B, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you certainly, is there like a regular check that people can do?
1: Yeah, there is a test that people can do. And healthcare providers are given a test to see if they are immune to B. Most people are immune to B because they've been immunized. Hmm. So I've been tested to show that, yes, I have antibodies to hepatitis B. I'm immune to that because I got my immunizations. And it's really important for people working in the healthcare field where you might inadvertently have some uh, body fluid mm-hmm. contact with somebody, say, from a needle stick or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: So, the immunization, do you just need one in your lifetime or is it one every it's, single It's good time? lifetime, but it's okay. like a
1: series. Oh, a series. It's All a right. series. Okay. Most of these are series of two or three okay. injections.
0: What age do you recommend that people get their
1: hepatitis B so to back up a bit you asked about testing uh-huh okay so the only population uh, though the healthcare workers the other population of oh, drug people in the drug culture certainly should get it but pregnant women because pregnant women hmm. can transmit the hepatitis B virus to their infants to their babies and those babies can be protected by getting shots after birth Both the hepatitis B immunization, but also an immune globulin to sort of undo the effects of the presence of the virus there, directly fight off the virus. Hepatitis A can also be treated by immune globulin. So if you're not immune to hepatitis A and you're exposed, you can get immune globulin to prevent you from actually getting the infection. But that doesn't make you immune. How do you know you're exposed? Oh, you eat some food that then in retrospect is suspect. So okay. You've been traveling or something okay. like that. Okay. You've, you've been traveling and all of a sudden you, ha- you get sick, you don't feel well, and then you should a doctor and we well, get Well, then checked. you're probably too late too to late. get the. To all get right. The so okay. it's something, you know. So every once in a while they'll say, oh, this hamburger place, uh-huh. people are getting hepatitis. Okay. Uh-huh. So you went to that hamburger place and got a hamburger. Uh huh. Maybe it wasn't cooked properly. And so there have been people that have come down with hepatitis from drive-through hamburger pickups. So, oh gosh, I went to that place last week. Also, then you go in, or a couple days ago, you go Mm -hmm. in and you get the immune globulin to prevent you from getting Uh,
0: hepatitis. Boy, you have to pay attention.
1: Yes, so when things come out in the news about potential Uh infections, You know, we're getting more accustomed to learning about infections because Mm -hmm. of COVID. I think people are beginning to pay more attention. Hopefully, more people will get the flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. But you do have to kind of pay attention because there are ways of protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, That is so
0: interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: Would would you like to know about how people get sick or what, what it's like to get sick with hepatitis? Yes. Okay. So, it's very interesting because the list of symptoms includes, and this It'll vary depending on which hepatitis you get a little bit, but they pretty much all give fairly similar sorts of symptoms. Fatigue and malaise, fever, headache, poor appetite, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, jaundice, dark urine and clay-colored stool. The jaundice, dark urine, and clay-colored stool are because the liver is not processing the bilirubin properly, and so you get bilirubin. And, uh, you know, in your skin, it shows up as yellow, like babies that have jaundice. Mm-hmm. You know, they have too high bilirubin levels. Anyway, and then even joint pain. So how do you make a diagnosis from those symptoms? I was going to say, it sounds like a, <laughs> lot, a, a lot of things that could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of things that make you feel similar to that, uh-huh. you know, or various parts of those things. Yes. So how in the world do you know you have hepatitis? Are you going because you're sick? Uh-huh. And so they do a bunch of lab tests. They look at your blood count, especially your white blood count. They draw Mm -hmm. liver function tests. And if your liver is infected, the cells are infected and they're they're, uh, damaged. They release a whole bunch of liver enzymes into your bloodstream, so your liver enzyme levels go up. So that's the primary lab clue. But until you get that, you really don't know why in the world are you sick. Is it just Mm. the flu? Is it COVID? Is it hepatitis? Who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, it could be a a lot of those things, but they do the labs. Labs show the elevated liver enzymes and say, oh gosh, this could be hepatitis. Then they can do specific tests for the various types of hepatitis. And they'll ask you questions like, have you been traveling? Where have you been traveling? Especially the South Pacific and Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. are a hotbed for hepatitis. But... What's interesting is this hepatitis A increasing in the United States. It's been pretty much a third world disease, but we're seeing more of it from people that have not traveled. That's according to the CDC. Uh So you wonder what's happening. have people that came from other places. Now this is the fecal oral. Are we not being good enough about how we're cooking our foods or washing our hands? Uh So hand washing isn't just for COVID. It's for everything. Wow,
0: that yeah. is such a great point. Yeah, I'm all over my grandchildren. Wash your hands right. after you go to the bathroom. Yeah. All right, so going back to these symptoms. Yes. So are you saying, Dr. Rutherford, that should anyone have these symptoms, they shouldn't not they shouldn't wait to go to the doctor. They might as well go to the doctor and let the doctor yeah. do their thing.
1: Well, I have to confess that that if I get sick, I give it a little time. mm -hmm. If it's not getting better, then I go to the doctor. Okay. You know, because there are so many viral illnesses that we get, and we get sick Mm -hmm. for a few days and we get better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have to admit that I I kind of, I start by waiting it out, making sure I stay hydrated and, you know, get some rest and things like that. Okay, so what is the benchmark? The benchmark You know, if it seems to be getting progressively worse, you should go. Ah. If you can't keep hydrated, definitely go. That would be my number one. From diarrhea or something like that? Yeah, from diarrhea, throwing up, you're unable to keep fluids down, Uh you've got to go in. Okay. If you're starting to get dehydrated. Okay. You know, late in the process of dehydration, when you stand up, you get dizzy because your blood pressure drops because you don't have enough fluid in your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, you're probably about 20% behind on your body fluids. Ah. Yeah. So okay. definitely you need to go in then and have somebody else drive you because uh-huh. you don't want to pass out on the freeway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, please
1: don't do that. So yeah. am I hearing like about 48 hours? If there yeah, has I, might, business, I might, I might give it better, 48, hours. forty-eight hours. Now, what's interesting is a hepatitis can last a couple weeks, uh-huh, six months, and some of these, you know, hepatitis A cures; it goes away. There's no, there are no chronic illnesses that are seen from that. Hepatitis E, pretty much the same. What do you mean it cures? You mean, there is something. It to gets take, well. It gets it, well on its own. Yeah, it, okay. it goes away. It kind of goes. You through get process. well. You get well okay. from it. The okay. exception are people that have had. Yeah. That are immunosuppressed because they've had like solid organ transplants, oh. so like a kidney transplant uh-huh. or a liver transplant or something like that.
0: Okay. Then
1: uh, they, of course, people like that, people at high risk that are immunosuppressed, probably shouldn't wait 48 hours. If they're really uh-huh. feeling sick, they should probably check in. Okay. And whether it's at least by phone call or they actually physically go in, you know, at least don't don't give up. Just. You know, make sure uh-huh. you get somebody to pay attention to you. Uh-huh. So, do you think
0: of, with this COVID nineteen pandemic that we're in, mm-hmm. because some of those symptoms sound to me like COVID nineteen in some That's ways. That's right. So, if I were to go in and get tested for COVID nineteen, do they also test for hepatitis to see if it's not COVID nineteen,
1: or they, is that they a they whole might, separate thing? They they're very likely to do some blood testing, which would be uh, which would provide the initial clues mm-hmm. that you might be sick from something else like hepatitis, which okay. is the blood count, ca- blood count and the body chemistries and uh, liver enzymes tests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, But they don't do that in these stationary... No, uh, they're just doing the, like, the nasal they're swabs. They're just doing the tests. No. Oh. No.
0: Boy, we sure have to be informed on this and take responsibility for our health. We all have to do that all the time, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, this brings a whole other level of understanding that maybe you know, yeah. if we have these symptoms, COVID needs to be tested, but also ask for, yeah,
1: especially if you're not getting well. Yes. So if you're not getting well, uh-huh. you know, things that are really bad tend to not get better, get pre- pre- progressively worse, maybe, such as they not just lasting longer, but maybe more intense symptoms. You know, people worry sometimes about little aches and pains. They just kind of come and go, and they pretty much go away. There's unlikely to be pathology. Mm-hmm. In general, in our bodies, if there's pathology, things get progressively worse in some fashion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the main. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, you know, Dr. Rutherford, so many times, and you've been on here before, basically what I'm hearing is take care of your immune system. Yes. Make sure that it's as yes. healthy as it can be. Yes. Take care of
1: yourself. You do what you can. Well, I mean, if you really want to expand the conversation, it's eating healthy, exercising, mm-hmm. staying well hydrated, you know, washing your hands. You know, the, the food issue, a lot of times you'll see, cook something to 165 degrees for so long. I, what they say on the CDC site for, say, pork, for example, is that it should get to 185 degrees for at least a minute. To kill some of the hepatitis, uh, yeah, and uh-huh. that freezing does not work. Freezing, really? freezing will not kill these organisms. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. A lot, I mean, freezing will, uh, has a good chance of killing some bacteria. Yes, but viral illnesses—that's a different story.
0: Huh. So, if I, if, if someone was to get A, B, C, D, E, are
1: there medications? So use? mainly for C. Uh-huh. There's uh, there's actual treatment for C, but the others it's basically supportive. There aren't any specific anti-virus, anti-hepatitis drugs for C. There
0: is. Okay, Doctor Rutherford, let's talk a little bit about Hep C. How is it different
1: from the others? And just uh, educate us. Yeah. So Hep C is primarily transmitted through blood, potentially body fluids. So potentially uh, sexually transmitted as well as B. It may be more subtle in terms of symptoms. There are people that develop chronic hepatitis C that haven't really had symptoms. So that's probably an important reason that people who might be at risk should get tested for it. The uh, treatment, there is treatment for hep C, some antiviral therapy, and they give it to people for as long as maybe about three months. Mm -hmm. So it's a long-term treatment. Hep C is like hep B and potentially D as well in that it can result in chronic illness. A does not usually result in chronic illness. E usually does not, but can for specifically at-risk people. Uh, But B and C in particular are bad actors for for developing chronic hepatitis. So for hepatitis C more than half of the people who get infected, it becomes a long-term chronic infection. And that risks cirrhosis of the liver, which results in liver failure, and you can't live without your liver, or liver cancer. Mm -hmm. And B also can result in cirrhosis of the liver, or liver cancer. B, when they're young, so the infants that have been born to mothers who had hepatitis B, 90% of them will develop a chronic infection. So they're truly at risk for, say, liver cancer, which is why the testing of pregnant women and the treatment of their newborns is so important. If as you get older, your risk for getting chronic liver disease after hepatitis B decreases. So if you're an adult, your risk may be six percent or less mm-hmm. and that of being chronically infected. But again, that's the bad actor situation. Mm -hmm. But hepatitis C, because so many become chronically infected, it's really important to try and avoid that or to have it diagnosed early so that you can get some antiviral treatment.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Brotherford, I know that here at the 3W Medical Clinic that we see a lot of sexually active women. Yes. And we also seem to be seeing a lot of sexually active women with multiple partners. Yes. Is it your opinion that having multiple partners, this increases in, your odds?
1: Exists. Does it increase your odds? Mm-hmm. This, should yes. that be considered as yes. a reason why you should get checked? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, you know, hepatitis B and C are primarily found in people that are exposed to people that have done IV drugs or things like that but but with the number of partners that we're seeing among many of these women that come in how mm-hmm. in the world do they know who they're really sleeping with mm-hmm. you know how do they know that somebody's not infected mm-hmm. you know those people often haven't been tested and i think there's incomplete awareness of what the real backgrounds are So in general, their risk for hepatitis B and C is lower than other sexually transmitted infections. But still, at some point, it's a good idea to make sure that you haven't haven't contracted one of those. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the lab tests that we do offer, is screening for hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Is it equally a problem amongst the genders? Well, actually, there is a higher incidence of these occurring among men who have sex with men. And speaking of which, we actually do the STI testing for men as well. We have periodically men come in Mm -hmm. and we can do the full panel of the STI tests on the men. So, okay. Yeah. So, men are welcome to come. As well, we don't yes. see very many, but they're yes. very well. Please come, yeah, and yeah, we're listed come. on the King County mm-hmm. STD website, so the, as mm-hmm. a place that they can go. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yes, our services are free of charge,
1: but you do need to pay that the um, lab cost. The lab costs. yeah, which but they're is very modest. Cost. They're yes. they're very modest, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're because they're a direct pay contract mm-hmm. with the lab, mm-hmm. so we just ask people to pay what the lab is charging us. Mm-hmm. So the do symptoms things. doesn't vary by gender. No, the symptoms would not vary. Okay. But the risk factors, especially men Uh having sex with men, then their risk goes up. As a special at-risk group. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that just is.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, as we're getting ready here, we need to uh, wrap up this episode on hepatitis. But Sue, before we close, what one message do you want to leave the listening audience?
1: So everything takes some paying some attention to your health. You know, watching out for getting your immunizations, watching out for your exposures always doing good hand washing always doing proper food preparation i'd say those are those are important things but finally you know this is a complicated subject and if it it feels a little bit to me like in this podcast like we bounced around on this topic and hither and thither and you know bounced all around because there's just so much to cover so one of the best sources that i've been looking at has been the cdc CDC.gov, and there's lots of information on hepatitis and references, and you can get some more details. So if some of the things I've said seem a little vague, it's simply time because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much to cover. But so I would highly recommend people checking out the CDC website, CDC.gov, mm-hmm. to get more information.
0: Excellent resource. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> okay, well, thank you again, Sue, for this very interesting discussion about hepatitis. I uh, always find these discussions, I am not a medical person, and so I just find it very interesting when I, I have Dr. Rutherford here. A wealth of information, wealth, many, many years of experience here in the Seattle area as an OBGYN. If you uh, want more information about 3W Medical, you want to go to our website, which is 3wmedical.org. That's 3wmedical.org. And that's actually the number three, the letter W, and the word medical.org. Also, we're looking for people who are interested in joining the 3W community by donating to the cause, because what we do here is that we want to make sure that every woman in Seattle has access to a free medical clinic that does not make money from the choices that she makes. If you believe that's important, like we do, please join our community and you can sign up there at, uh, up right there on our website. So until next time, stay healthy and be well. And wash your hands. And (laughs) And wash, oh, okay. And wash your hands and your food. And your and your vegetables. (laughs) All right, bye everyone.